This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 245 of Dublin Dean. My name is Tim, and joining me, as always, is Dublin Dane himself. Dane, how's it going? It's going good. It's been a while since we've uh, recorded, but um, yeah, it's been going good. How about you, Tim? It's going good right now. We're smacked in the middle of, well, I shouldn't say in the middle. We're right. <laughs> postseason baseball just started as we're recording this episode. We're in the new wild card format, best two out of three. But I don't know, Dane, it's hard to be ex- excited about anything else in baseball right now other than Aaron Judge breaking the single-season home run record. Yes, I said single-season home run record, not the AL record, all of baseball. <laughs> so 62, he did it this week. And uh, everyone's going to have their opinion on it, but you're asking me, and I know plenty of other baseball fans, he is the new single-season home run record in all of baseball because of everything that you know, went on with Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa when they did it. So I was glad that he was kind of able to restore some honor in that record now and to have it be someone break Roger Maris's record who was clean and not have anything associated with steroids. So I was really pulling for him to do it over these last two weeks. It got kind of dicey towards the end because he was going through a lot of at-bats without hitting a home run. I think the pressure was starting to get to him a little bit once he hit 60. But he got it done on the second to last game of the season. So and it was exciting. It was a lot of fun to watch over the course of this, pretty much this whole month as he was chasing it. So that was the highlight of this week for me. There was a baseball season this year? <laughs> hmm. I I didn't uh, I didn't know that, Tim. I wish, uh, I, wish I was informed of it. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't check Oakland's record then if you weren't informed of this baseball season. <laughs> yeah, it was a little sad. I I must have only watched, uh, I don't know, like 15 games this year. <laughs> so <laughs> The first yeah. 15 games where they were so, kind of okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, for the 15 games throughout the season that they didn't look like <sighs> it was it's it, it it was just one of those seasons, you know, Tim, where you're constantly reminded. And I know, I know, as a Yankees fan, you don't really 
understand this, but, um, and I hate to quote Moneyball, but, you know, there's rich teams and there's poor teams and then there's 50 feet of crap and then <laughs> there's the, the athletics. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it wasn't pretty this year for them. I mean, did they, I'm not sure if they even if they ended up with the worst record in baseball. I believe so. They did. I they believe end. so. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> so. Hey, that means you get yeah. a top draft pick. Draft pick though, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, to get traded away yeah. you know, for, <laughs> for a 26 year old uh, double A baseball player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, for me, yeah, it's I, I'd I'd like to forget this season. I'm sorry, Tim. I know it's still going on. I know this is. I mean, what's what's game one of the World Series like? October thirtieth. Yeah, it's like my, uh, either the very end of October or early November. That's definitely going to yeah, go wow. into November. Yeah. Wow. Um. So yeah, uh, forgettable season for me. <laughs> some There's reason. that old saying. There's always next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, it's it's everything with the stadium, the new stadium, the Oakland Coliseum, yeah. management, the <laughs> ownership, the players trading away every single good thing that the team had. Um, you know, chair-wise, this past season or before the season started. So, yeah. One of these years, next year, I guess. One of these years, we're gonna come on the podcast and we're gonna talk about how Oakland finally got a new stadium. I know we've, I think we've been talking about that for the last. I know we've been doing this podcast for ten years now, for probably what seven of those ten years. (laughs) We've been waiting, hoping that that would be a topic you can come on and just be super excited about. So maybe in twenty twenty forty seven, let's say. You think we can last? You think we can last, Tim? You think we can last 25 years? Well, I'll say this: I have more confidence in us still podcasting than than Oakland getting a new stadium by then. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's uh, that's sad. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I'm sorry, Dave. Meanwhile, if you're a Braves fan, you get a new stadium every three years. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it feels like. Yep. Yeah, uh, forgettable for me, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, you know, I hope the Yankees win it all. I I hope the Mariners win it all. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for the Mariners too. Yeah, until yeah. unless they face the Yankees, so that's a different story. Yeah. Until then, hopefully they make it pretty far. Yeah, I am pulling for those two teams, especially the Mariners. You know, the playoff drought. Um, so yeah, Finally I'm excited over. for that. Yeah. Twenty-one years it took them <laughs> to make the postseason. <laughs> that's insane to think about. So now it's the Angels who have the longest baseball drought or playoff drought in baseball. Is it the Angels? Yep, they just took over because yeah. it was the Mariners and the Phillies, but they both made the postseason this year. So oh, now I it's see. the Angels. I see. And uh, when was the last time the Phillies made it? Two thousand one. Series, right? No, two thousand eleven. They were in the postseason. Oh, oh I see. Hmm. Well. Uh, Congratulations to the Mariners, you know. Um, that's all I can say. And let's just hope the Astros get knocked out in the first round. See, that's my other hope <laughs> this postseason. 
yeah. I don't know I, how they had. Yeah. I do not want but, to see the Astros in the World Series again. Nope. What if they beat but, the Yankees? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I could stomach that again. It would be the fourth time since 2015 that's happened. <laughs> uh. Well, at least you made it to the playoffs then. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I got to count my blessings where I hit cannon baseball. <laughs> Which sounds so arrogant coming from a Yankee fan. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Favorite time of the year is postseason baseball. So, and now we're here. So, looking forward to that. And it's been fun already as the season wrapped up this week. But, as always, we got to kick off our episode continuing our minute-by-minute commentary with The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And a lot more Lord of the Rings talk is coming <laughs> in this episode after we do this commentary, that's for sure. Um, but as always, grab your VHS copy, your DVD copy, your Betamax copy, laser disc, your I'm forgetting, I think I'm forgetting another disc, but <laughs> the UMD, uh, the little one from the, for your PSP, your Blockbuster <laughs> membership video subscription, your Netflix physical media copy in the red envelope, your dvhs copy and as always your converted vhs to dvd copy which is what we always use when we're watching these commentary or doing these commentaries so if you got your converted copy all set up dane i'll give the countdown as we go from minute 33 to minute 34 are you ready uh you forgot one thing tim uh so for the dvhs i mean the um yeah the dvhs you can't just put that in a regular um VHS player, right? So, so you need a separate VHS player for the DVHS. Is, yeah. is it called a DVCR? I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense if it was. Yeah, yeah, it would. But uh, yeah, so you need a separate one uh, for your uh, DVHS. I still wonder I why it's it just called DVHS and not HDVHS. Why is it just a D? Maybe it's because it's like a digital conversion. Maybe that's true. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, the uh, the have what do you think is going to be the next like um, you know how we have like multi-platform uh, releases of films and stuff uh, like uh, you, you know Blu-ray and DVD were at the same time, uh, DVD and VHS were at the same time. Uh, uh, what do you think the new thing is going to be? Like, let's say, streaming versus like. You know, would you count 4K releases? Or probably coming soon, 8K releases? Because <laughs> that's probably yeah. the next physical format anyway is going to be 8K. Yeah, it's going to be like 8K versus uh, streaming or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Let's think of another name for streaming than 8K or something like that. Yeah, and I still can't tell the difference. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let's uh, get our ESI ready. So I'm ready. Okay. This. I'll give the countdown. Here we go in three, two, one, play. Start with a nice shot of Gondor right there. Is that Minas Tirith? Yes, it is. Okay. Minas Didn't Tirith realize... is the name of the city, right? Yeah. Didn't realize at the time watching it for the first time how important this location was, <laughs> where Gandalf actually was doing all his, this research. 
Yeah, don't have candles around loose, dry pieces <laughs> of paper, you know. Oh, man, if Gandalf accidentally <laughs> oh, puts the paper God, like that. Be a thousand degree fire. All that Middle Earth history gone. Well, hopefully with <laughs> Gandalf's uh, powers, he can put it out real fast or re- yeah, <laughs> bring it back. It's a sealed door, yeah. Yes, as Gandalf is reading a sealed door's writings right here. And I believe in the books, this is where Gandalf spends almost 20 years yeah. digging through all this stuff before he goes back to the Shire. Imagine you doing this for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see all those books and maps and <laughs> scrolls in there. It's going to take a while. But uh, I guess wizards can't speed read. Why can't they? I mean, mean, you can do like you can fight with invisible forces. Then I don't, I don't understand why you can't, you can't read fast. It's just an untapped ability they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So yeah, that's our minute for this episode for the Fellowship of the Ring. It can't think of a better transition from talking Fellowship of the Ring until recapping. Our thoughts on the last few episodes of the Rings of Power and pretty much this episode is going to be just more TV catch up because I don't know about you, Dave, but that's kind of where all my entertainment source is coming from this last month or so. There's just so much great TV content going on right now. And it's just yes, there has. Awesome, to consu- awesome to be consuming it over these last few weeks. So, yeah. So first up, let's talk some Rings of Power where these last two episodes, well, I'll say three, but. I think when we last recorded, we were on episode four. It was like episode three or four. But and I was still saying we were kind of giving our reactions to it. How it's still been a slow burn for me. I'm enjoying it, but I think it needs to sharpen its focus on certain storylines. And these last few episodes, man, have they done that and more some. I really, really enjoyed it, especially the last episode seven or episode six, because we're on episode seven this past week as we're recording this episode. So episode six was just the highlight of the season and of the series so far. It was like it reached the potential of what I felt a Lord of the Rings TV show could be and just how awesome a Lord of the Rings TV show could be. And I think the episode before that was the first one where I felt all the storylines that were going on. I was really getting into and I was really getting invested in the characters and what they were going with. Even stuff going on with the Harfoot storyline and the Stranger, that's even improved a lot for me. So but in the last two, I just felt things are coming together more. That's the story's getting more central and focused on where it's not jumping from four different storylines. Characters are converging together and it's feeling more cohesive. And I just been absolutely loving it, especially these last two that we've gotten. So, yeah, I, we'll dive into more, especially in the episodes uh, six. Uh, but I've been loving the series. I think it's finally hit its stride and I cannot wait to see how it all wraps up on the season finale next week. Yeah, it's weird because I kind of have like the opposite feeling of you, Tim. Where <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I like these separate storylines, right? Like the Numenorians are doing with, with uh, Galadriel. Um, you know, the Harfoots storyline and uh, the storyline with the with the humans from the south and uh, what's going on in um, uh, Khazad-dûm, you know. I, I, I like the sort of separate storylines that are uh, happening at the same time 
and telling this larger story rather than, okay, so like we got to get the Numenorians to the, the, the humans in the South, the men in the South, right? So, okay, so like they participate in this huge battle and then Mordor happens, right? And uh, the, the queen regent is blinded, you know? Um, I actually liked it more in the beginning of the season where it was all separated and, you know, everybody had their own individual story. But uh, like you said, I've grown to like, uh, I've grown to like how like they integrated all of most of the storylines, you know, we're still separate with, with the Khazad Doom stuff and we're still separate. Yeah. Our, mm-hmm. our foot's storyline but um yeah like the main focus for me and uh you know like the the, the part i like right now is the um, the story with the humans or, or the men in the south and um the numenorians and how quickly um things changed for them um with the creation of mortar and how quickly um I forget is Sildor's dad's name. Elendil. Uh, Elendil, like um, you know, switches his tone when it yeah. comes to Gadra. Like it was just immediate. I mean, her his queen got blinded, so yeah, you and can he believes his son is dead. So <laughs> like, right, yeah, you can see where that comes from. Yeah. No, yeah, so. Those episode episode six, um, it was kind of being before I saw it, it was kind of being hyped up as I've seen reviews and reactions. I didn't see it till that Friday night, but I know the episode releases like 9 p.m. Pacific time on the West Coast. But I still like to wait till Fridays to watch it. But just had a lot of buzz going into it, and hearing that it was going to be like the first episode to feature some major action, and which it delivered on, and it was cool too because it wasn't like this big scale battle that we see like helms deep or the battle of pelinor fields it was still a small scale as this village was getting the village in the south was getting attacked by orcs and how it was still even though it was a small scale battle it was still a lot of cool action in that and it just the still just knocked out of the park visually just having just really high quality visuals and or stunt performances and sets and everything it does feel movie quality like i haven't once as i was watching felt oh you could tell this is on a tv budget and i was curious if that would be the case when it comes to the action sequences and it definitely didn't like i said still small scale so they haven't gone full-blown big massive battles like even like we've seen in game of thrones uh but i think maybe in future seasons we'll get to that but for its first major action sequence i thought it was really well done and just it had a lot of tension to it, as you were, know the villagers were outnumbered and the orcs uh, were just coming down on them, and you're wondering how they're going to get through it. And just you see them, how they fought back made sense, and then even like from the orc side, how they were devising their plan <laughs> to attack. Where those um, south men from the south, those who sided with them, because it pretty much split in half, where some stayed and some went to join the orcs there. And how they used them to fight their own in that battle. They didn't realize it. And when they caught them off guard, that's when they sprung their main attack and their main forces there. So it all just, and then you think they're outnumbered. They're trying to get the blade. I forget the the orc's name, the, the leader, the elf, which kind of is half elf and half orc right now. Um, but the, that whole scene where he's trying to get them to reveal where the location of the Morgul blade is at and just you know being pretty brutal i was surprised they 
kind of show that most of that stuff where just you see the civilians in that room just getting stabbed like very slowly and painfully and until um, the kid Theo reveals the location of it but then you get the Numenorians uh, coming as reinforcements as the cavalry for some more cool action and just Galadriel doing some awesome stuff on her horse showing her elven abilities as a warrior there it's all of that was just awesome so I was satisfied just in that aspect um, but I had a feeling there was more to come than just a really cool action sequence to why everyone was buzzing about this episode. And then the eruption of the volcano happened and you just started seeing the destruction of the Southlands there and just the the rubble, the ash coming from the volcano, destroying everything. That well-fought, hard victory they earned was all taken away in an instant by the eruption of that volcano and just coming to fruition and showing why the orcs were doing what they were doing, digging through the tunnels and making sure that everything was put in place for this one moment to have that volcano erupt. And obviously you knew right away when you saw it, but I was watch- as I was watching the episode, I was not expecting this to happen. And then they did a good job of never revealing that mountain or the volcano out in the distance in the Southland. Cause when, right when they had that first shot where they're kind of like panning up and, you see that volcano when it's looking like a mountain. You know exactly what that is. And you go, okay, <laughs> I know exactly what they're doing here. And it's awesome. Showing the creation of Mordor was just, like, I decided to applaud. <laughs> it was just so perfectly executed, so well done. It was like a surprise that you knew was coming, but it was still a surprise. <laughs> it's just awesome to see. They just did it perfectly and beautifully. It just really set the stage up to what's to come, I think, and well, what we saw this episode this week and then for the finale, just how it changes everything uh, for the characters and just moving forward in the series overall. So I just thought that episode just really is where the Rings of Power hit its stride and just became as great as the Lord of the Rings show as I was hoping it would be. Kind of had that because I had that same feeling in the first, in the opening prologue of the series, just showing uh, that flashback, Galadriel's narration, her journey searching for Sauron. I really loved all that stuff. And this whole episode recaptured that feeling I had from that opening prologue. So it was just so well done. And then seeing the aftermath of it in this episode, as you were referring to this, uh, Lindale thinking that Sealdor is dead, the queen regent, um, losing her eyesight, uh, because of it. And just, uh, the orcs and the, their leader making that their home. Now we know what's to come. But, um, yeah, it was just so well done. So I just really thought this series went in that direction and telling this part of the story and the history of Middle-earth and showing uh, the creation of Mordor and as we still search (laughs) for who and where Sauron is at, which I think is coming in the season finale, and I'm looking forward to see who that actually is. What's the uh, key to the lightsaber? The the kyber crystal? Uh, No, no, the... (laughs) Sorry, the uh, Sauron sword or whatever. It's a lightsaber. It's a lightsaber. <laughs> it's um, not a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, you just need a little bit. Instead of kyber crystal, instead of kyber crystals, you just need a little bit of blood. Right? <laughs> you just need to stab it into your forearm. Uh, so it's a lightsaber. So, like, what's the key to, uh, I mean, what what plot purpose is that sword for? Is it, like, to unlock, like where sauron's been hiding is that, is that what, well that was like, obviously just to unlock you know to have the volcano yeah. erupt and that location where that to just cause that seismic shift in the land is to cause the eruption 
to mm. have it create oh. what we're going to know as Mordor. Because it opened that uh, door, which you know caused that tower to, I believe, to collapse, and then it just set off a chain reaction of everything collapsing and falling in and causing yeah, yeah. the tunnels to flood and then it causing the volcano to erupt. And, and that was the whole thing. As it, far as right now, maybe there'll be more to yeah. that dagger, but that was the purpose of it in this season anyway, <laughs> at this point in the story. Okay. Um, also, do you, do you think, like, Sauron is a spirit? Like, he doesn't have a body? Like, yeah, he can that's... possess somebody? Is that well, the, not that he possesses is? somebody, but he does. Like, if he loses a physical body, he can reform into a different body. He's done that a lot of times. I see. So that's the thing. Everyone thinking it is a character that we've known already in the series, and I'm kind of thinking that too. But if they don't go that route, um, they just can't have him show up as someone totally new if they want. Because that yeah. was an interesting thing where I love that interrogation Galadriel had with uh, the orc leader. Um, to where he s- reveals that he killed Sauron, and thinking he's uh, he's dead and he's the one in charge right now. But um, we know that even if Sauron loses his physical body, his spirit is out there and he can reform into another body. So, um, but I think they want to go for the surprise factor in the series. I just got that feeling because they kept it a secret so long. They're going to reveal that it is one of these characters that we've known already. Um, but I just hope. Yeah it gets revealed in the season finale. It's not something that lingers on over the course of next season or a few seasons. Cause I would like to have Sauron become the main antagonist of the series at some point before the series is over, just to have him be um, a physical presence in the show uh, more so than we, he was in the movies. Cause that's part of the reason I was so excited that we're getting a Lord of the Rings show set in the sec- second age, because I know in, what a focal point Sauron could be as the main antagonist and as a physical presence. So I really hope this whole thing of who is Sauron gets resolved in the next episode. Yeah, you know who's going to be, right? I don't know. They keep throwing different things to try to make you guess of who, of who it could be. Because right now, I think they're trying to lead you to believe it's the stranger, the giant with the Harfoots, because you got those mystics on his trail. No, no. But, and then no. in like the preview, they say, don't you like, you know who you are, you're Sauron, there's something to that, and it's the mix of saying that, and like, because they're having to, because I saw that in the trailer, and it makes you think, since they're looking for the stranger, that's who they're talking to, but I don't think it's the case, I think they're trying to have that be the misdirection of who you think it is, and I hope it's not, because I really hope he ends up being a wizard, because I don't see that as the thing for Sauron to do, like he, even though he loses his body, he still retains, you know, his spirits there, and he retains his memories and everything that's come before, it's not like he lose his memory and have to regain it all. That's which is kind of what we're seeing with the stranger. No, it's gonna be um, Hallbrand. That's the that's the popular theory online. Yeah, I will say. Yeah, that's probably gonna be him because otherwise he, he's just uh, he's just plain old Aragorn ripoff, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I don't want to be the king, you know? Yada yada yada. So, yeah, that's. It, it, it's gonna be him too. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind that actually because he's his character is the one storyline I'm not super into. Like even in episode six where they're all saying like hail the king or all the villagers were recognizing him as the king. It's just like I don't know. There's not doing anything for me. Like I said, it's just an Aragorn type story. Not nearly invested as much as as we were with Aragorn's story as the reluctant king. So I'm hoping. 
I wouldn't say I'm hoping because if it is Sauron, I'll I wouldn't mind it. if it's done in a way that makes sense. It, it could be kind of cool. So, but I just hope whatever his story becomes, it's more so than just him becoming a reluctant king. <laughs> that is the most least interesting aspect uh, as far as these characters and their stories goes in the series for me is Hellbrand's becoming the king. It's just something that's just not ringing true for me right now. Yeah, it's either going to be him or it's going to be uh, Prince Dorian. Uh, it's <laughs> my pick. He, he is my pick. The real it's, wild card uh, pick there. Yeah. He's he's gonna be my pick for uh, for Sauron. I had to look up the the main leader of the orcs name because it was bugging me. Adar, Adar, Adar or Adar? I think it's Adar. But um, oh uh, yeah, he only has an episode name after him. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, not that important, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Rings of Power. I've been really digging it. And I've been in such a Lord of the Rings mood lately. It's because it's funny. Um. Not so much because of the Rings of Power episodes before we got to episode six, but watching Rings of Power has really made me dive into watching a ton of Nerd of the Rings videos and just watching and just absorbing myself into the lore and the history, uh, especially of the first age, because that's stuff I haven't read too much about. And I've just really been eating all that up. <laughs> I've just been in such a Middle Earth Lord of the Rings mood the last few weeks. And uh, the Rings of Power is definitely... Um, maintained help maintain that momentum in these last few weeks too so i'll probably be doing a rewatch of the movie soon coming up so, uh, i'm just in a total middle earth mood right now that guy is uh that guy is a nerd <laughs> lives up to the uh, name but, yeah lives up to the name but I, I i haven't seen his his uh recap of episode seven yet but i watched all all the other ones and yeah, he he's just one of those guys that um, man, like how can you know that much about <laughs> like, something in an appendices that was a poem that you know like doesn't really have that much description about it, right? Like like oh you know that's the star from this poem in this appendices from this book this uh and it's not any of the lord of the rings books it's not the hobbit book it's not the Silmarillion. it's some weird manuscript that tolkien <laughs> <laughs> sort of like di- didn't finish <laughs> it's like how do you know that man but uh yeah i'm loving his videos yeah yeah if you're like i said i've been diving into the first age stuff man if there if we ever get a tv show or the movies Showing that story, what takes place in the first age with Morgoth as the first Dark Lord and the villain, man, we'd be in for some really cool stuff. <laughs> that final battle, the War of Wrath, dude, that would be the most epic battle put to screen if done <laughs> how it's described in there, where you got obviously orcs, elves, men, balrogs, dragons, eagles, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> it is one massive battle, man, it'd be awesome. I think that's what they were showing in the first episode where we had the prologue with yeah. Galadriel's brother in battle. I mean, it was real quick, but I believe that was the War of Wrath of what they were highlighting there. But that was just be a fraction of the carnage and the scope of what that battle would entail. Oh, Tim, you know, I had a really great question for you. So end of episode, uh, is it episode seven? Uh, We do, in fact, see uh, the Balrog, the infamous Balrog appearance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So in the two towers, right, what I didn't know was Gandalf just lets go. He, he doesn't get pulled down by the, the, the Balrog. Uh-huh. He, right? He lets go. He's yeah. falling. He says he's falling for what seems like forever, and he's fighting the Bal- Balrog, and then they hit the water, and then they're fighting there. Um, and I believe it's when they meet Gandalf the Grey. He sort of, like, tells the whole backstory, and he's like... And Gandalf the and, White. Uh, sorry, Gandalf the White. And he's like, and then we fought some more, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they're fighting it, you know, like in this underwater sea thing. And somehow they end up on the top of a mountain. How, like, how did they get there? Yeah, that's a good question. Where <laughs> I haven't necessarily dived into looking for the answers, but it is they traveled so deep within Middle Earth, they somehow came out on that mountaintop. I'm not sure. <laughs> They went through the center of Middle Earth and it came out the other side. Something like that. That works yeah. for me. <laughs> Why not? Uh, see, that's that's we should see if there's a video on that for on Nerd of the Rings. <laughs> see if yeah. that can get explained. Yeah, I gotta ask him that. I gotta like become a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you could get that question answered. Yeah. Suggest that video to be made. <laughs> yeah, and then um what was I gonna say? Oh, uh, the two towers. I, I like how in the beginning the re, like it's a, it's like a previously on yeah. Lord of the Rings, and then it's it's Frodo's dream. So Frodo is dreaming the Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like that. Yeah, but it's such a great but, opening, though. God, I love yeah. that sequence. <laughs> yeah, the the helicopter footage of the uh, of those mountains and yeah, even yeah, even kicking off that cues. way. Yeah. And then you hear the voices like coming from the mountain. It's real right. faint and echoey. <laughs> then it just yeah. pans into there. Ah, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a great previously on Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> All I needed to have was well, some, some one of the characters saying that <laughs> the voiceover. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, more more Balrog for me. You know, I'm a big fan. Oh, uh, yeah, you should we should watch this a video on their backstory and where they come from. <laughs> such a cool design yeah I, I don't know like is that the way that Tolkien described the balrog for the most part i know there have been different interpretations of how it could look there's yeah. some where like he doesn't have wings too and no, one where it kind of looks more and one where kind of looks more human like in, with his face too, no so. no no get that out of here tim throw that away this is the ultimate version of the balrog I would agree. This design they have for the movies and for the series, it looks it's perfect. You know, I I want a sister series for uh, Rings of Power. It's good. It's going to be called the Balrog of Power, right? <laughs> and we're just going to go around with the Balrog. See 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 what? No, you got it. Has to be plural. The the Balrogs of Power. Balrogs of Power. Yeah, you know, the 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 the, the Balrog meant uh um. A romantic partner. <laughs> and besides that, oh, man. You, know? you know, so I'm I'm all for it. Sister show. There, well, there was like uh, a Balrog who was referred to as the Lord of the Balrogs, like the king. His name was Gothmog. So that really? could be the character we could focus on and see who he ends up in a romantic relationship with. I 
should do more research on <laughs> the, the, the Balrog <laughs> because he seems seems like there's a story there, a sister show, uh, you know, for Amazon. When um, you, you know when they're filming Rings of Power, you can have uh, you know uh, the Balrogs of Power on uh, on your streaming service. You know, and just switch them off. Switch them off. You know, like like one time you'll have Balrogs in power, the other time you have Rings of Power. <laughs> hey, I'd be work. down for it. Why not? It can work. <laughs> they put it on, I'll watch it. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. I didn't mean I just love the Balrogs. I don't know why. They just look cool. I know nothing oh. about them. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they do actually have some history that's I find pretty interesting. So definitely check that out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure uh, Nerd of the Rings has a three-part, three-hour video of. Uh... It's not. It's not three parts, but he does have a video. Actually, that was one of the ones I watched last week. So oh, <laughs> it was wow. definitely gave me okay. some good insight on the Balrogs that I never knew before. So it's right there for you to <laughs> to learn their, their history if you want to. I will do that. Oh, I wonder how many copies of. Uh, the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or the Silmarillion or whatever that uh, he owns. Lord of the Rings. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sure more than one. <laughs> but I've been meaning to get myself a new copies of the books. I, I might have mentioned this before, but there's one that came out like a year or two ago that's like has some illustrations in there that look really nice that I, yeah. I that I want to get. Because the ones I have that was actually a gift for my cousin when like, after Fellowship just came out, and it's just like paperbacks with um on the cover just images from the movies i don't necessarily like having those for the books i want right. the art to reflect the art inspired by the book and not from the films but that's yeah, might you just be some more some nerdy nitpick i have but <laughs> you don't want to be one of those fake fans tim oh no like you, never you, you want to get the fully illustrated <laughs> uh, versions uh one version i would highly recommend it and uh you know, I, I really don't have to sell it that much. Is Andy Serkis reading um, uh, Lord oh, of the yeah. Rings? Oh, yeah. I did yeah, get the, the audio version of The Hobbit. I had, like, one free credit left on Audible, and I used it for that. Yeah. So. They are oh, yeah, really he was good. great. <laughs> yeah, they are really, really good. Um, I'm listening to uh, uh, The Two Towers. So, yeah, nice. it's, it's really good. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about Middle-earth right now <laughs> for me, which is awesome. But there's more, too, than just Middle-earth and Lord of the Rings stuff we're getting. That's really awesome. And, of course, the other fantasies, show that we've been talking about on the podcast is House of the Dragon. And while Rings of Power is ending next week, we still got two more or three more episodes of House of the Dragon. And I'm, we're on episode seven, this last one, or is it eight? Nah, you know, uh, I, seven, I think. Okay, so we got three more. And so I think before our last episode, we were still kind of in the first half of the first five episodes where we didn't have the time jump. But now we've had that time jump of about 10, 10 years or so, maybe even more. Uh, where we got new actresses playing uh, Renera and um, Allison. Our name. Allison. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so things keep getting more intense, more... I'm just going to say worse for the Targaryen family here. 
but boy does it make for some engaging television to watch it's i don't think it's skipped a beat at all since we had that time jump like i said things are just getting more intensified for how i know things are going to end up once we get to that actual dance of dragon civil war and it's it's been great especially i really love this last episode that might have been the best of the season so far last week was like such a great week of the tv shows you've been watching almost all of them hit it out of the park um and house of the dragon was no exception so i've really been digging this as well but any anything changed for you on the time jump dane as far as uh getting new actors playing these characters and the story uh jumping so far ahead in just the course of a few episodes yeah how well they cast the uh the the roles of i'm talking about both actresses of uh Renera and allison yeah especially allison like i couldn't even remember the the uh younger actress uh, because they, they both look almost exactly the same um but yeah that that, that was the, the the main thing like how well they casted um you know the, the younger actress who plays the the teenager version of uh, the actress they got to play the adult versions of um, of uh, Renera and uh, Allison, but yeah, I mean it was seamless for me. I don't I, I don't know what like the if people are complaining about it or whatever, but I, I not really that I've seen. It. Yeah, like, yeah, like it, it was well, perfectly done. I did get when I sent my tweet out of how much I enjoyed the first episode with them. I did get one response from just someone who's like not mutual followers or anything. She just put, I wish they didn't change the actresses. And then I looked at the profile. That was pretty much her response to almost every tweet of talking about House of the Dragon. It's almost like one of those rant, like automated tweets that goes out saying, <laughs> I, I wish they did change the actors or something like that. So that was the only yeah, yeah. complaint I've seen. I don't know if that's even really <laughs> a legitimate one. Yeah, like I said, I, I couldn't even tell that they got a different actress to play um, Allison. You know, the, they casted it so well. Um, and it seems like they, the, the, the two actresses, you know, separate, I mean, like, collectively uh, came up with the character themselves, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's that good. And yeah, man, that, that first that. scene, that, that, that first scene with, with the older Renera yeah. giving birth. Yeah, and then, what an introduction. Uh, Allison, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. And then Allison wants to see the baby. And then um, it's, it, like, it's, it's, it's like just that like, one take. It's yeah, that exactly, single yeah. take <laughs> going up the stairs to the to queen's room. And then they leave the queen's room. And you can see the blood on the ground from yeah. uh, when she gave birth. Uh, yeah, well, like, like what a scene to introduce. Um, introduce uh like the new character and to introduce um i'm forgetting her name uh uh damon's second wife oh yeah uh the valerian um jeez what's her name like uh i'm not even gonna try it but uh what too too, too many characters too many shows to remember all these names (laughs) (laughs) what uh what a scene at the end of was episode six yeah mm-hmm. uh wow yeah that was a heartbreaker too. <laughs> was like... that, that uh that was pretty bad you know she 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 sort of has like a like a miscarriage or the, the baby is stuck and mm-hmm. you can't get it out uh she has her dragon burn her, burn her to death 
And, yeah, uh, I mean, kind of. She even alluded to it earlier. How she wants when she dies, she wants to drive, die as a dragon rider, and she yeah, probably the closest uh, she was able to realize that in the situations she was in, unfortunately. But and it's not only that's like the situation; it's also the fact that like Vagar is like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, he, that, he has sort of like a look. Yeah, yeah, like it took him a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I did because um, that was something. Again, I haven't read Fire and Blood, but I like I've watched those history and lore videos. But regarding to her character, I didn't realize that that was a change to how she died in the book. Where I believe it just said she did. She did have that. I think she actually gave birth to a baby, but it was it was like very sick. It died. It was like I don't know if it was a stillborn or there was something wrong with it. But she kind of survived out there. Like Damon brings her back. Uh, he looks for her, she he brings her back to her room and then she just dies like in her bedroom so it was definitely more powerful impactful poetic i guess in the way she wanted to go out and they did in the show and like i said having that connection with the dragon and him even not wanting to do it so it was just yeah, yeah it made for a powerful moment and um before this we were talking about like the actresses like like the seamless transition between the two actresses and uh, Another sort of seamless transition, even though the actor doesn't change, is Sir Kirsten. Mm-hmm. You know, like b- before that, like he's all about Renera, and then after that, he's all about Allison. Yeah, hates hates Renera. Um, and in turn, that, like he's become one of the more hated characters in the series. <laughs> yeah, as someone you can't root and, for anymore. And I love it. I, I I love the fact that he he sort of switched sides, and he's all about trying to get back and at Renera and um, I, I think what they nailed in this show is the uncomfortableness of like you know a secret and he, this sort of like family drama sort of stuff you know like it's it's so uncomfortable uh, most of the time so the wedding was majorly uncomfortable oh yeah <laughs> uh, Especially, Especially when Allison walks in. Yeah. 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 In, in the green dress. Yep. And then, uh, Sir Kristen beats. Um, uh, I think his name was Joffrey. Yeah. Joffrey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, L- Lenor's uh, secret lover. <laughs> yeah. That bashes his head in. And um, also with the, uh, with, uh, with the funeral. Lena, that's her name. Lena um, it, uh, is Damon's wife, right? Mm, okay. Uh, especially at that funeral, like just sort of like that uncomfortableness, and then oh, yeah. like what what I've realized, like what makes Viserys a weak king is he can't ever really make a decision, you know, he, and he doesn't want to make a decision, and he doesn't want to make that that uncomfortable decision so it's all gonna pour over after he yeah. dies because and it comes from a place where he wants to please everyone please both type sides. Of thing. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he wants to please both sides and like another th- another thing that surprised me too about this show is how Viserys is is, is living still like I don't understand <laughs> I mean well it he, doesn't look like it's gonna be for sickly. much longer <laughs> yeah like he, he was sickly in in the the 10 years before scenes and now you know he's if 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 he's not on death's doorstep he's pretty 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 close (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
So I wonder so, yeah. if he's even gonna die in the next new episode, an episode, or if it's gonna be like at the end of the season. But I could see it happening within this episode tomorrow, maybe, and that really setting things off. To I don't know. End the I, season. I, I, I think I think Vagar is gonna have to burn him alive because I, I think he's gonna survive. He's like a cockroach, <laughs> man. He's well, the king cockroach. Pretty soon, because that's what kicks off everything <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, the Dragon Civil War to get started. You sure about that? We're not going to see like an elderly uh, well, sort of like They are making some change. changes from the books. So maybe it will, that will be another change. He's still alive and the war goes on. <laughs> He's just oblivious and delusional <laughs> to see what's happening. Oh, man. How is that guy still alive? <laughs> I don't know. He had all the sores. And and yeah, like uh, I was questioning, like, like, what's the meaning of the sores? It's from the Iron Throne, right? It's sitting on the Iron Throne. Yeah. That's what it's from. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's like that thing too, where they say like if if you like get those sores or you get wounded or injured from sitting on the iron throne, it's like you're not meant to be the king. <laughs> you're not meant right. to sit on the throne. It's like the throne's telling you you shouldn't be king. Right, right. I don't know how he's still alive, Tim. I don't know. <laughs> I I just be like, you know what? I'll welcome death if if, if I was at that point. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just bring yeah. it to the dragon and say Jakara. So. Yeah, just do it. Do it for me, Tim. <laughs> All right, Dane. I'll I, put that in your will. I'll be sure to be the one. <laughs> I don't. I, I probably at that point can't even say Jakara, right? <laughs> so, so you're gonna have to do it. Oh, for do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, speaking I'm of dragons, this show. I'm yeah, loving this show, Tim. One of my favorite moments is the last episode. Even though, I mean, how hateable are. Viserys and Allison's kids, Aemon and Aegon Targaryen. Oh my god. <laughs> Especially Aegon, right? Spoiled rotten brats, I swear. Yep. At first, I kind of felt a little bad for Aemon where they're making fun of him because he couldn't tame, get a dragon. They bring that pig on with wings. So, one of my favorite moments was when he went to Vagar and was able to you know, tame him and claim him as his dragon and become a rider. That scene was just awesome. Just the visuals of that. I know a lot of that last episode got a lot of flack for being too dark visually, where people couldn't see yeah. things. I could like I know what they're coming from, but I actually kind of like that. It stood out to me too, but I just kind of like the feel it had for what was going on, especially in that moment with Aemon taking taming Vagar and becoming his rider. Like that whole sequence was just awesome. Just seeing how someone can actually become a dragon rider for the first time, and just what how exhilarating that must have been <laughs> for him. And then he comes in and he starts, he picks a fight with um, Rhaenyra's kids and Damon's kids and just goes off on him. And this becomes a spoiled brat that <laughs> his brother was too. And is knowing um, that that was in the cards for him as well. It came on full display there. Because I also knew too from the stuff I watched where he does lose an eye later on or once they have the big battle he, or the, the war of the dance of dragons he's someone who wears a patch on it but i never knew how it happened and this is how it happened here by one of renera's children so that just set up that whole intense sequence um in viserys's room where just alicent and renera just really go at it as far as um alicent wants retribution wants to take renera's son's eye she was going to take it herself and just having Renera stop it, which is great. So, man, that whole sequence, too, was just another intense moment for all the actors and characters of all of the series really kind of showing their chops. It was just really, really, really great performances all around. Yeah, and um, I I pretty much for the entire episode didn't have a problem with the, the 
uh, the darkness. But uh, the one scene I would complain about is the scene um, after that where um, uh, they plan, uh, Renera and Damon plan to assassinate Lenor. Uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. And I kind of didn't see what happened. Like, uh, so he throws his bodyguard to the ground and then locks locks up with um, uh, I forget the guy's name already. <laughs> his his that that's that's his lover, right? That, that's Lenor's yeah. lover, right? Um, and then like they lock up and you don't really see what's happening, and then all of a sudden you see a a, a burned corpse yeah. in front of um, uh, the sea snake, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of didn't see what what happened. Like whose body is that? Yeah, I just I didn't know or just, see just a random. Whereas like they just but, yeah put took out some random guard or some random guard or yeah. some body. I'm not sure. Yeah, but it, like, I, they just got a random body. Yeah. So that was this is something I didn't know either, but that was a change from the book where Lenor uh, survives that actually where they fake the whole thing with his death because he does die in the book and he's never heard from again obviously. Yeah. But um, this here's a question I have for you because I'm still not so sure about this. Do you think Damon actually hired uh, that guy to kill Lenor, but he couldn't go through with it, and they planned uh, to escape together? Or was it? Did it come from Damon and Renera to say, make it look like you killed him, but you two could not go off and live your life and all that type of thing? Because uh, I can see Renera wanted to do that. As far as you know, she, he was her husband. They did like each other. <laughs> I don't think she wanted to kill him. Um, so. I could see it coming from her where let's fake the whole thing. But from Damon, I could see where he just would have told him, go ahead and kill him off and be done with it. But he couldn't do it. So I wonder if that will ever be fully explained or not, or if I'm just reading too much into it. <laughs> but I just did think that I'm not sure if that was actually what Damon and Renera had intended to happen. See, I th- like after thinking about it, like I was like, I was more like, uh, maybe it was Renera, uh, uh, um, sort of, plan because i don't think she was there yet to mm. you know kill her husband yeah because when um, that happens like oh man they're really <laughs> i mean yeah they're really going for it yeah you know? they're making some yeah. really tough terrible decisions here for like the greater benefit of their family but it's also a terrible decision to let them live right yeah that's true too um so <laughs> it's like a double-edged sword um yeah i i, I think I think uh, the more interesting answer is that Renera told um, uh, Leonor's lover to, you know, fake his death. Mm-hmm. I think that's the more interesting answer. Yeah, because that could like, that could come up for some future conflicts where like this Damon sure. thought <laughs> he was going to be killed, but then Renera did something different, and then Leonor comes back. Because obviously, I don't think we're probably going to see him again this season, but he'll be back in the future season. I'd probably in the mix, and when this war is really going on, he'll come in and probably cause a lot more complications. Yeah. Yeah, that's the more interesting answer to me. Yeah, rather, than, rather than you know, oh, so Renera and Damon are married now, and you know they killed him, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know he decided to fake his own death or whatever. So yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's definitely a, probably a better decision to make. As you said, it's more interesting to keep him alive and have him show up to be a new wrinkle in someone's planned the strategy during this war. But it also makes me think they're changing this stuff if um, the whole ending to the Dance of Dragons and the series and the fate of these characters, if they're going to change that 
as well because yeah i don't want to spoil too much i, I might have I, I think i might have told we talked about the history of the dance of dragons before might have put out a spoiler warning then but <laughs> about what happens but i will do it now but um it, it just makes me think if the fate of certain characters are going to be different now because of doing this one little thing of a character who dies and having to be alive changes and causes major complications that we're talking about if the fate of certain characters are going to be different by the time we get to the end of the series um also uh you, you seem to know more, more about i mean uh game of thrones than i do but like isn't figure supposed to be the the biggest dragon yeah he's the biggest one out yeah oh okay yeah that's what i figured because when um Oh, I forget. I forget his name. Valerian. Is that his name? No. Uh, what, what, when the kid that loses the eye. Oh, Eamon. Um, yeah, Eamon. Yeah. yeah. When he takes on the dragon, uh, he flies with the dragon. He's like barely holding on. Yeah. And the, and the dragon is flying up. Yeah. I know that's what's crazy. Like this, <laughs> the smallest child now has the biggest dragon. But <laughs> we're get, yeah. we're getting another time jump in this episode though because. The kids are pretty much all grown up, as we saw in the previews here. So, I was, right. if we get to this point later in the series and the story, we should get an awesome fight sequence between dragon, his dragon, and uh, Damon's dragon <laughs> when they have a battle together. That should be pretty uh, epic. <laughs> I don't want to see a dragon die to him. I can't do it. That's going to be that's going to be the hardest part about this series, more so than human yeah. deaths. We're going to see a lot of dragon deaths by the time <laughs> the series is over with. <sighs> Great. Especially, uh, this is going to be a real tough moment. Uh, I don't know if I should say it, but if you know your Game of Thrones and Westeros lore, you probably know what happens at the very end of this war regarding dragons, and it's not it's not pretty. <laughs> okay, okay. Spoiler alert. Okay, tell me. Okay, so at the end, like the the, the citizens and folk of King's Landing, they start a little revolt and thinking that dragons are the cause of all this and dragons should be eradicated from the earth. So like a group of a, a mob goes to the dragon pit, wanting to kill every, all the dragons in there and the dragons fight them off. They burn a lot, but in the end there's too many people and they end up killing most of the dragons in the dragon pit. And one tries to escape through, but it crashes to the ceiling and just falls. It just kills everyone in that room. But it yeah, just really, that's what starts the decline of, the dragons in Westeros and why they become extinct later on it was because they were all killed off in that moment. Oh, and then it was, great. Yeah, there was like hard to like breed new dragons too because it comes to a point where they wouldn't grow any bigger than dogs or cats and <laughs> until Daenerys is obviously, but that was kind of the beginning of the eradication of the dragons, which man, to see that on screen, that's that's gonna be tough to watch. <laughs> I don't know if I can watch it. Uh, you know what? This show sucks. I'm not watching it. Well, you you have been warned. <laughs> it should be several seasons away though. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just won't look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, House of the Dragon has been awesome. Still hasn't skipped a beat at all since episode one, <laughs> pretty much. So it's been a, an amazing series to watch every Sunday. Yes, it has, and. The lack of action really, really helps. I know that and it doesn't that matter. It really of, doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the criticisms I've read that um, people have had is that there's not a lot of action in it, but it, it certainly makes up for 
for the lack of action it's, it's all the um draw drama you yeah. just get so invested with these characters that's where your like i said your investment lies was in your in, enjoyment of the series comes from just seeing these characters and the outcomes <laughs> their bad decisions their good decisions is what's gonna play out and so yeah it's sure. just been a really great dramatic series yeah so but, that actually I, oh, i'm sorry go ahead Dave. no no i was i was just gonna say but what i'm really enjoying is the next show we're probably going to talk about yeah because that was actually going to be my next segue <laughs> into yeah. that because i haven't gotten your reaction and the, some of the criticism you're just talking about house of dragon is being applied to this series as well so and that of course would be the next star wars series Andor, which is now we're now five episodes in so from the sounds of it dane um i think you're really liking this one <laughs> is am i so, correct in that assessment <laughs> so this is my favorite show on tv right now yes <laughs> uh, more than Game of Thrones, I mean, uh, uh, House of the Dragon, more than uh, uh, Reigns of Power. This is my favorite show. This is the one I look forward to watching every every uh, Wednesday, every every time it comes out. Um, yeah, I, I, I love, love, love the slow storytelling. I know a lot of people criticize it, uh, cr- criticize the show for that. But I, I really love the this, this slow, slow storyline that's building and building and building um, with uh, Andor, you know, joining the or trying to find a sister and joining the rebellion, you know, or being recruited to join the rebellion and all of these little different nuances that you wouldn't necessarily get with a show like The Mandalorian, where everything is moving so fast, where and this planet, we got to hit this story mark. You know, we, we've got to introduce this character, and you know, so on and so forth. Um, th- this show is my favorite uh, Star War- Star Wars show that they've come out with, besides um, the Bad Batch. And I, I think I think this one I like a little more than the Bad Batch, but. Um, yeah, I'm just really, really liking the slow storytelling because you're, you're 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 staying with the characters. You're not just jumping from one set to the other to the next spaceship to the next fight to the next whatever. Um, and it's refreshing in a sense because you can tell this tell this story, and it is a really complicated story. You know, you, you want to talk about occupation or imperialism. You can't really tell that story without without staying with the characters and seeing what's happening. And you, you know, you, you want to talk about you want to include a revolutionary storyline, and you can't tell that story with with uh, when you're jumping around from planet to planet, to yeah. storyline to storyline. And I, I I feel like this show really nails that. And what really impresses me. <laughs> is kind of what impresses me with House of the Dragon, where it, like you said, there's not a lot of action. There really isn't. I can only think of one scene, maybe two scenes, two scenes in one episode. I think the shootout with the with those um, Corpos and uh, Andor and um, Luthen. Yeah. That's really it, and, honestly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that whole scene, I guess you could 
count as two. Um, that's pretty much it. But what I really enjoy about uh, the Andor show is that, or or at least what really interests me is it, it, the the show shows the the bureaucracy of the Empire. I know that doesn't sound very interesting, and it doesn't really sound like what you would call a Star Wars show, essentially, right? Because Star Wars is about the adventure, and I think with this show, the farther you can get away from that, um, is is for the better. You know, it's it's far from the lofty ideals of you know this big grand adventure you know, with the rebellion, you know, and in a more realistic sense, um, they're, they're having major funding problems and, you know, they, they, they can't transfer their money. They can't get their money to pay their, their, the rebels, their, their mm-hmm. people. Um, they can't buy new stuff. You know, they have to steal everything. They have to, um, you know, take the star navigator or whatever that thing is called from an imperial ship because they can't afford to buy one you know this is a this is a guerrilla movement essentially i guess it would be it's it's um it's real world analog and you know all their operations are just one little small move away from going bad going really really bad and yeah. That's you know, like true. the plan on, yeah, like the plan on um, Aldani. It's a really stupid plan, you know, sneak into them and uh, get payroll information of all things, <laughs> you and, know. The, and they don't the, even know how to work their escape, their escape ship. Exactly. <laughs> they don't know how to pilot the thing. And they, they think they can pilot it through the dam and out and sort of like, lose the the the, um, the empire in a uh, an event that happens once every three years is it yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's a really bad uh bad plan to um to do that you know and it's a suicide mission and you know it's it's th- that sort of thing that you can stick with even though it's a really bad plan it it, it sort of in a way like makes sense like that's the only way they can do this there's no other way to do it and another thing i really like about the show is like the 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 group of of um of rebels that are trying to do this this mission right it's like they all have their own reason to um join the rebellion right one guy wants revenge cassian just wants money he, or he yeah. just wants to be away from where he's being chased. That was um, a great scene where Cassie just tells straight up tells everybody, "I'm in it for the money." <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm being paid for this. Yeah. Um, th- there's another guy who really is an idealist. You know, yep. He really believes in the in the rebel cause and you know the imperialism, the the oppression, all of that sort of thing. And they all have these different reasons and to to join the rebellion and i think like i was saying before like i think if you had a story or you had the pacing of the story uh, of a show like the mandalorian you can't really tell that story and it doesn't really have that same exact meaning and yeah uh that's 
that's why I really, really like this show. And I mean, just sitting with Mon Mothma, like I had no idea she had a family. I had no idea she was married. I had no idea she had a kid. Kind of knew she was a senator. Um, And I, I didn't know how deep in trouble or under suspicion she was. You know, where, like, she's being watched. She has a new uh, uh, courier, you know, or uh, a new driver, driver, right? She has a new driver, and that guy is spying on her. So she has to, you know, come up with this grand scheme to, like, talk with Luthen, right? Um, Again, you're sticking with the characters, and you're making them more than just a 2D caricature, right? you're making them a fully formed character and that's that's essentially why i love this show and i love the slow storytelling i love the story and um it's it's really a story that really relies on or it's a it's a show that really relies on its acting and Mm -hmm. everybody is really knocking it out of park um and it's writing and again they're knocking it out of the park um you feel like a small character like uh um the the woman that takes uh Cassian from his home planet like even that small little role like she it, it you you can tell she's seen some stuff you can tell she was a revolutionary you can tell that you know like so, some real stuff is going is going to go down in that one episode right like she it's 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 so it's so well done and what I, I really, really respect the show for is when they show Cassian's home planet. I really respect the show and they provide no translation for what they're saying. There's no subtitles. Yeah, it's, it's all done with the acting. And I mean, it's not like you're lost in it. You, you can tell like what they're going to do, what they're thinking and all that sort of stuff. So that yeah, I love that. Like they they show no subtitles and it's all their acting and uh, yeah, that's uh, I love this show, Tim. It's my favorite. Um, it's my favorite show on television right now. It's my favorite Star Wars show that they that they've come come out with and it's made me really love Rogue One even more than I did before. Nice. So I had a feeling you were going to really enjoy that. What did you require on the level that you're loving it? It's your absolute favorite TV show, but that is yeah. awesome. <laughs> I love hearing that. I um, love it. Yeah, I, I think it's great, too. Um, I mean, the first few up ep- when it first premiered, it made total sense why they had the three-episode premiere, because you were getting one complete story in those three episodes. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that's kind of how the series is going to work. It's going to be similar to Clone Wars, where you have these episodes arc, arcs in the season, to where like three episodes are going to combine into one story arc, and we're in the middle of one, the second one right now. And I think that's going to be pretty cool to see play out, because um, those first two, if they were just released that first episode, um, it would have been something more like, like, really? That's all that happens here? But when you see it over the course of the, that whole story, it's just, it's just really great. It is great storytelling. You're diving deep into the characters. And I just loved how that first, those first three episodes of that first story arc is just really self-contained into the lives of Cassian, these people on this planet, and the corporation that um, is, is in that system patrolling there. There's no hints of the Jedi, obviously, the re- Rebellion, the Empire. They're all... They're kind of mentioned here and there, but 
they have no presence and it's kind of a slow build to them becoming more of a presence in the series as you're seeing in this new arc now where the empire is heavily featured mon mothma is now involved and i just loved getting and seeing all these new details and aspects stuff we knew about but we're finally seeing on screen is how the empire and the rebellion operates getting a firsthand inside look at uh, the ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau, pretty much their FBI division, and seeing what goes on there. Just being back on Coruscant, too, was just awesome. <laughs> I just love being able to see Coruscant in this time period, too, where the Empire is in control, because we've never seen that before in live action, except for the celebration scene at the end of Return of the Jedi, when the Empire was being overthrown. So to see the Empire at the heart of Coruscant is just a trip to see, and you mentioned it too. I love getting the stuff with Mon Mothma. Her being in this series is one of the most things I was excited about. Just knowing what she's going to have to see in her really do what she needs to do to help the rebellion, but at the same time maintain her position as an imperial senator and the juggling act she has to do and how careful she has to be. And it was on full display in her first appearance. I love that meeting she had with Luthen where she was acting like she was buying some ancient relic or artifact for her husband when in fact um Luthien's trying to get some more money <laughs> from Mon Mothma to fund the rebellion and just getting that insight to knowing where a good portion of the money comes from is from Mon Mothma now it's now becoming a struggle to get that everyone's watching her as she said in that episode so I just find all that stuff really really fascinating and stuff I've been wanted to see in this series and hope they would explore they are exploring that dynamic I'm just eating it all up I just really love to these in this story arc that we're getting on this mission on Aldani those this crew that Cassian's with now, as you said, they all have their own motivation for doing what they're doing here. They just they just make for some great uh, character dynamics amongst this group. And I hate to say it, but I think next week's episode, I'll be shocked if any of them survive. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. That oh, yeah. I'm just expecting <laughs> Cassian to make it out of there. And it's, he's obviously going to gain some new perspective on the rebellion and probably what's obviously going to make him eventually fully join the rebel alliance but this is kind of his first dive into that aspect and i'm sure losing most of his team here is probably going to play a factor for him wanting to continue their fight but yeah i'm not expecting a happy ending for their crew next week and probably gonna be so that's gonna be a little tough to watch but yeah this series has been off um it's kicking it, it kicked off in an unexpected way like i said kind of with that slow burn in the first few episodes but once it gets going in that third episode and then you watch that whole story told in one sitting it is really well done and just sets the stage for the other stuff that's going to come because you know we are going to get we are going to get more action we've seen the stormtroopers in battle we've seen a, a space battle with tie fighters and i'm really anxious to get that flashback sequence where we see the clone troopers and see them in action again so death troopers are going to be involved too so all that stuff's coming so it's not like i think anyone should be worried saying oh there's going to be no action in this series like it's just going to be uh, a slow burn all the way out. Like, no, that's not the case. And even if it was, uh, these last few episodes in this current story arc have just been really fascinating to see unfold. So even if there isn't going to be a lot of action, I'm just really digging the story that they're telling here with these characters. So, yeah, it's a different type of Star Wars show, but it's great that we have this as this variety. I keep seeing these different opinions too, where it's like, oh, this is the Star a Star Wars shows we always needed and wanted. This is what Star Wars. Uh, should be right now and then you got the other side of it uh thinking oh this is way boring like we don't where's the action from the mandalorian and that type of stuff so but it's like that type of thinking is just so 
you know, and to me, it's just so like single minded where you should be more excited and celebrating the fact that we had this variety of Star Wars shows to watch. If one's not your cup of tea, that's fine. There you got others to to pick and choose from. So that's the fact that we are getting a different type of Star Wars here that is more character based and more a dramatic type of storytelling. And I just think it's awesome that uh, we have it now. So, yeah, I've been really, really enjoying Andor just. Glad we got a lot more episodes to go as we're just in episode five of a 12 episode uh, or 12 season run, I should say. Yeah, I, I, I kind of don't understand that either, where it's like, you know, I'll be honest, the Book of Bowls kind of wasn't my favorite show. It uh, sort of just reminded me of The Mandalorian a lot, uh, which isn't a bad thing. But, mm. you know, I enjoyed it for what yeah. it was. Not everything has so, to be your absolute favorite thing either, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but with this show, yeah, this is my cup of tea. You know, it's just, this is really knocking it out of the park. And even if that was the end of the action, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, we're just going to have talking scenes from now on, you know. Um, you know, I'm totally fine with that. Um, because yeah, I'm really it's... looking forward to... Uh, the the Senate scenes that we get in Mon Mothma's Ooh, appearance in the yeah. show. Because like, we know we're going to see the Imperial Senate in the Senate chamber again. Like, I can't wait to see that again. <laughs> I know that was kind of a thing people like to point to when criticizing episode one, being, you know, all the politics involved and being boring and that stuff. But this, I find all that stuff fascinating <laughs> in Star you're Wars. Complain about, if you're going to complain about politics in Star Wars, you've not understood Star Wars. Yeah, it's, there wouldn't be it, Star Wars Star without Wars. the politics in there. <laughs> Politics is Star Wars. Star Wars is politics. You know. Yep. <laughs> um, and we still got what my probably my favorite character <laughs> of Star Wars coming up, uh, Saul Guerrero. I don't know how he's gonna play into all this, but yeah, I really want to see Saul on the on the on the big small screen again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I I I've been loving the show. I. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been loving this show. I can't wait to see the next episode. Um, yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> here, here. And before we end our TV show discussion recap, one show that uh, we haven't really talked about before, but I, I don't think you've been watching, Dane, but I have is the latest MCU show, She-Hulk. And talk about the total opposite of the last shows we've been watching, but it's still <laughs> so entertaining, so fun. It's 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 a sitcom comedy, really much, and it really plays the, into that aspect really well amongst the MCU. But the reason I really want to talk about it now is because this last episode had the appearance of Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock and Daredevil uh, fully featured as a guest appearance in the episode, and boy was it awesome! <laughs> it was just great. Not only just seeing him back as Daredevil, but of course we got the little cameo appearance of Matt Murdock in Spider-Man No Way Home, which was great. But seeing him now and actually a full, complete story was just great to see him back in the role again. He hasn't skipped a beat. The character, it feels like we're seeing the same character from the Netflix series, but in because the show is definitely a lighter tone than obviously the Daredevil series was, but... It feels like to me watching it as a natural progression for his character, the way season three ended, he was in a better place at the time. And I know people were concerned, oh, is this going to be a more lighthearted daredevil cracking jokes all the time and stuff? And like at the end of season three, he was cracking jokes in that uh, that scene in uh, Foggy's family's uh, deli restaurant that they had there amongst with him, Karen and Foggy. He was telling jokes and cracking jokes there. So it's not like he was a joyless character in that series. He's. Had his funny moments as well. That was kind of more of the Matt Murdock we saw 
in his appearance in She-Hulk, being that more character. Like I said, he was in a better place at the end of that series, and that kind of continues on, and I felt like a natural progression into his appearance of She-Hulk. It was just a lot of fun. And this him as Daredevil was just great, too. The action was great. Seeing him have a little uh, scuffle with She-Hulk was awesome. He had another hallway fight, not quite as good as the one in the series, but it kind of felt like a nice homage to that type of fighting style that he had in that series. And his suit, too, going with um, his original classic uh, red and gold costume instead of just the full-blown red outfit. And it worked really well on screen, too. I was curious how there... Because I heard rumors about that a while ago, that when we see Daredevil in the MCU, he's going to have his yellow and gold... Or his uh, red and gold costume. I was wondering how they're going to pull it off, but it looked great uh, seeing it in live action. So, yeah, I was real happy with his appearance in the series. Can't wait for the Daredevil Born Again series to come out in a couple of years. But um, his first full appearance, I can't say his first full... I can't say his first appearance technically in the MCU because that was Spider-Man No Way Home, but full appearance, I'll say, as he was an integral part into the story in this episode of She-Hulk, which is really, really cool. And just the series in general, like I said, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. It's a totally different tone from the other ones, but it just adds to that nice variety of different TV shows that we've been getting um, on a weekly basis now. So and that, its first season wraps up next week as well. I'm looking forward to seeing that, but... You had to give a shout out to that episode because it was awesome. And just how amazing, because it's going to be the last time next week where we have a new episode, a new MCU series, a new Star Wars series, a new Lord of the Rings series, and a Game of Thrones series all airing at the same time. And just pretty much having a show to look forward to almost every day of the week has been amazing and a lot of fun. So I'm going to enjoy that one more time next week uh, before Lord of the Rings and uh, She-Hulk wraps up to where we're just down to Star Wars and then Game of Thrones. And then just two weeks after that, just Star Wars. But uh, what an awesome time it is to be a nerdy, geeky fan with all this great stuff coming to your television uh, sets on a weekly basis. It's been such a fun ride. Yeah, I've been meaning to get to She-Hulk because uh, uh, A, it was review bombed, I think. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So that that usually means I'll it's good, uh, right? <laughs> like something. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, the I want to see uh, Matt Burnock again. Um, one little thing is, if you're gonna have that that Matt Matt Murdock, that Daredevil, you have to have the single take fight scene. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. if if you're gonna introduce him in the MCU, you gotta have. At least once per season. Once per season. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they're probably going to save that for his own series. We didn't get that in the She-Hulk episode, but I would like to <laughs> think you're right on that, where he has to have at least one one take action sequence. It's become yeah. a, a standard and staple for his character in the TV world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it sounds like, from what you've said, they don't really take themselves that seriously. So, no, yeah. Uh, it's like yeah. she hulks a character who breaks the fourth wall like Deadpool, so there's a lot of self-awareness oh. going on. <laughs> oh, she does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that should be interesting. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, that's one I've been meaning to get to, and I just haven't uh, gotten around to it because of Rings of Power and Games, uh, House of the Dragon, and Andor now. So, yeah. Yeah, so if you haven't checked any of these series out, do yourself a favor. If you have the service they're on, definitely check yeah. them out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yeah, even just with a Disney Plus subscription. I mean, you, you, you have She-Hulk and you have yeah. Andor. So. You get two out of the four shows we talked about on this one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, I guess uh, before we wrap up the episode up, there is one bit of comic, comic news I wanted to mention because I just found this out. Uh, I heard about it late last night, but just got confirmed uh, today is um, something I'm really excited about with uh, the DC Universe uh, app or the DC Universe Infinite app, I should say. Pretty much their digital comic service where you pay a monthly fee to get their back catalog of comics. And for new issues, you have to wait six months uh, before, after print before they get on the app, which is bit of a long wait. And I mentioned to you how when we talked about this before, where the Marvel Unlimited app is a three-month wait only, which is a lot more convenient and a lot more <laughs> obviously appealing uh, since you have a shorter wait time to get new issues. But DC just announced that they're going to have a different tier plan for the D DC Universe Infinite subscription called DC Universe Ultra, where for that subscription, it's going to launch just a couple of days on October 10th. So by the time you're listening to this episode, it will be available. So where with this new tier plan, you're going to be able to get brand new issues only a month after their print release. And that, to me, is a huge deal. And the price point is going to be a little increased, of course. I believe it's just going to be for a year subscription. It'll be $100 for the whole year, which is not too much of a hike um, from their current subscription. So I think it's going to be worth it. I, it's going to be a game changer as far as digital comics as, and versus retail, I think, because I think... A lot of people would probably realize that's not so bad of a wait uh, to just pay a monthly service and have access to every new DC uh, comic book that comes out on a regular basis. So and that will help with maybe catching up on some storylines and issues or maybe even some titles that I haven't I haven't read a major DC title in so long. Um, and the fact that there's one that captures my interest, I mean, to get back into some Batman comics on a more uh, frequent basis. This way, uh, this is probably how I'm going to do it. So I'm definitely going to sign up, uh, change my subscription because I'm already subscribed, but I'm going to go to this ultra tier as soon as it launches on October 10th because I think it's going to be really great to have. Just knowing that I can read these current issues only a month after they came out is going to be just so, so much better knowing and having this app and to be able to stay more current and just be able to have this subscription because this is how I've been reading comics for the most part for Marvel and DC. The only new series I get buy on a monthly basis as single issues is just Ninja Turtles and the current Darth Vader comic. That's about it. So, but now that I could keep, be more current in some bigger DC storylines is going to be with my already subscription that I have just paying a little more. I think it's definitely going to be worth it. So I'm excited for that to launch and looking forward to see if uh, Marvel follows suits. Maybe they'll change their uh, window for print release to a month with another subscription. So we'll see if they follow suit, but I think I'm so glad that the digital side of the comic industry is moving towards us now where the the wait to get it in your monthly subscription is becoming shorter and shorter. So I am really excited about this move. Yeah, are you going to get the um, that, that Gotham uh, Knights game? Um, I'm going to wait on it a bit, to be honest. Uh, I've been a little iffy on some of the combat stuff and how it works. Yeah. So um, I'll probably get it once they have like maybe even as soon as like not even used, but you know the digital stores from Microsoft and Sony. Like when it comes to the holiday season, even some of the newer games that come out like a few months before are usually on sale. So yeah. I might wait for that, and of course see how the reviews are. If it gets like yeah. super amazing reviews of like the next great Batman game or just great game in general, I don't think that's going to be the case because I'm kind of hearing some mixed reactions already. <laughs> but um, I'll probably get it once it hits goes on sale a little bit. A little bit later down the line. Comes out this month, right? Yeah, I think next week or yeah. two weeks. Uh, I see. Yeah. 
Mm. I was thinking about it and uh, I almost got it. But I was just like, you know what? I've been burned before. Right. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to wait on this one. So. Yeah, plus I'm, I got some other games to play too. <laughs> before. Yeah. So, but I'll definitely play it. We'll definitely play it eventually. That's for sure. It's, I mean, it's a new Batman game. It's not like I'm not yeah. going to play it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, with that, I guess that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So, Dane, as always, I'll throw it to you for the outro. All right. Go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, uh, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, the show's Twitter handles at BatFans. <laughs> At Batfans Podcast. <laughs> there um, you go. <laughs> I almost forgot it for a second. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. My Twitter handle is at Banana. Rate and review us on iTunes. And can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. So with that, <laughs> like we see at the end of every single episode, Tim. We love each and every one of you with all of our TV show loving hearts, no matter how many of these TV shows we've been watching. <laughs> the last yeah. yeah, so 25 hearts is yes. what, we, uh, <laughs> what we love you with. All right, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. Yeah, bro, it's